Welcome tonight to Life Shape, Prayer and Discipleship. Tonight, again, we've been praying here, and when we conclude our prayer, we go live to you to bring you each Life Shape block, each life block. And tonight, we specifically are in Module 4. And in Module 4, you may remember, it's all about the future. What's going to happen in the future? You know, some of my favorite times that we have spent here together over these last 44 weeks, this is the 44th week we've been doing this uh, uh, and in, in prayer. It's actually the 41st week of our uh, 41st life block, if you were actually counting them. And uh, But we've been here all these weeks, and each week some of my favorite times are the times actually after uh, we conclude with our live broadcast and... Uh, we spend time talking about the subject matter. I want to encourage you as well. When we finish even tonight, I hope it's not the last that you hear about the subjects we're talking about tonight. Uh, continue talking about them, exploring them. This is just meant to be an introductory first step into each one of these life blocks. We've talked about redemption Module 1 was about redemption. Module 2 was new creation realities, you know. Number 1 was how to get saved, how to get connected to God, and why we need to be connected. And uh, the second module was all about what we get when we do connect. What do we get when we get saved? And then module number 3 was new creation responsibilities. What should we begin to do because we are saved? And module 4 is all about the future. Tonight's Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship Module 4, the future, is block 5. And we're going to talk about... The devil and hell. <laughs> you know, every Christian should know about the devil and hell. Every Christian, in fact, everybody should know about it. But man, the devil and hell, what a, what a great subject, you know, um, for us to explore. Uh, can you imagine being um, drafted or joining an army and being taken through training and then being sent to war? and never having been told who the enemy is, never having been uh, exposed to his strategies or to his uh, you know, uh, uh, weaponry or to anything that he might try, his ploys, you know? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, whether it's sabotage, espionage, uh, 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 you know, subversion or attack. I mean, you need to be prepared for these things. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the devil doesn't just wage typical warfare. A lot of his warfare is atypical. It's something that, that you don't expect, and, and we need to be schooled in who our enemy is and also the things that, that he will try to do in order to conquer us, overcome us, defeat us, and to put us into a, into a category of, of, of him you know, of living victoriously over us because that's his hope. That's what he's going to try to do. And so, you know, um, I, I know that many of you have your Bibles, and I know that not all of us have the same version of the Bible and, uh, uh, and in fact, if many of you are listening to this uh, and your language, you're, you know, you, you don't even speak English as a first language. And, and uh, you know, so you may not have the version that I have. You know, the Old Testament was originally written in the Hebrew language and the New Testament was primarily written in Greek. And, and a, a serious study of the scriptures will at some point, if you're going to do a serious study of the Bible, at some point you are going to have to uh, um, uh, make reference 
to the original meaning of some word that the Bible has used. Uh, some word uh, that was spoken, uh, that when it was spoken, it meant something particular, and we have gone a long way from its original uh, um, 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 uh, language, and therefore uh, uh, we need to apply some understanding so that we can understand what was meant when it was originally written. Okay? That does not make our translations less valid or less the Word of God. It just means that, uh, that, that the Bible we read is a translation. It is a translation of the best manuscripts that were available at the time that this particular version or the version that you have or the language Bible that you have, whatever you know, Bible you have, at the time that Bible was translated, it was a translation of the best manuscripts available at that time. And um, as languages evolve with time, you know, some words don't mean the same today as they did a hundred years ago or five hundred years ago or a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago. As languages evolve with time, words take on different meanings. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, translation of the Scriptures, although very closely guarded by God and man, you know, both God and man have guarded and guided the, the translations of these scriptures, we can trust them. But even though guarded and guided by God and man, nonetheless, at some point, sometimes, a certain version or certain languages in the Bible, uh, 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 society moves on and that word changes. And so it's necessary that, that we study. It, it, it affords us an opportunity to be more studious and also to do some comparative readings. It's necessary at times to understand the Bible. But thankfully, we have the author of the Bible living on the inside of us. Different than trying to understand Shakespeare, you know, different than trying to understand, uh, you know, uh, 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 what, uh, what someone meant in a painting, you know, uh, Monet or Renoir or, or, or some other writer. You know, we have the author of this Bible living on the inside of us, and the Holy Spirit guides us to all truth. And, and uh, uh, whether reading the King James Version or the New King James Version, or perhaps you have the New International Version or the New Living Version, perhaps you're reading uh, some other language translation of the Bible, nonetheless, uh, whatever you're reading, uh, you know, you can still gain a very consistently accurate rendering of God's intent by a simple reading of the Scriptures. God has made His Word so simple and so plain that even when one translation may use one word and another translation use a different word, those are shadows and shades of the same meaning and the same intent. And a little study and a little comparative reading can shine a light and just the simplest, most basic understanding of the Scriptures will most often lead you to the one message that God is telling. Just read Read it in context. Well, in you know, confident. I'm confident to say that anyone who has access to a commonly approved version of either the Old Testament or the New Testament can know the Word of God and can be absolutely skilled in God's words. And just because you know one word is used someplace and another word is used in the same scripture in another place does not mean those words are different or that, it's, uh, that one of them is wrong. They're adding shades of meaning, doing their very best to communicate to, the, to, the, to the, their target audience of that day exactly what the scriptures meant. 
I'm so glad God continues to give us clarity and our language does not evolve without God also putting people on scene that can give us a great understanding and giving us uh, translations and versions of the Bible that give us such accuracy. I'm amazed at how accurate the things that we read are to the original intent. It's the Word of God we hold in our hands. Nothing less. Don't let anyone tell you that because, well, this one says this and this one says that, that some Somehow, uh, you know, the, the, the message has deteriorated or that somehow it's not been watched over. That's not the truth, okay? Reading 16th century or 17th century English, uh, you might have to find out exactly what that word meant in that period to understand what God did for those people then. And you can get clear understanding. You can know the Word of God just by the simple reading of His Word. And believe you me, it is His Word. Tonight we're going to to survey the scriptures, and we're going to discuss the devil and hell. Uh, some of the verses we are going to cover may use a different word than the word that I use in the translation that I'm presenting. For example, whether your Bible chooses to use the word hell, or maybe it uses the word Hades, or maybe it uses the word Gehenna, or maybe it uses the word Sheol, or maybe it just simply says the pit. Okay, basically, it's all talking about the same thing. Even though those, those may not all be the exact uh, same Hebrew or Greek words, they are all meaning the same thing. They all reference the same place and the same predicament. What predicament is that? That's the predicament of being separated from God in a place of torment after death. Okay, um, and that place of torment after death and that separation, hell, um, Hades, the thick dark, whatever your translation may read, it is talking about that separation from God whereby souls are reserved and held in waiting for the final judgment of the soul. You see, Hades is a place of thick darkness where the worm never dies and when the fire is never quenched. That's hell, okay? Hell, whether it says Hades in your translation or whether it says, you know, um, uh, the pit or whatever, that's hell. It's a place where souls are abandoned out of the blessed covering and grace of God. Jesus gives us a glimpse of both heaven and hell prior to his death, burial, and resurrection in Luke chapter 16 whenever he talks about the rich man and Lazarus, these two who have died and gone on. He gives us an account. It's not a parable. It's not a, it's, it's a made-up story. Uh, it is an account, the best that I can understand. And this account that God gives us in the simple reading of this passage shows us that people who pass from this life to the next, uh, are immediately received either into heaven or hell, one or the other. That when you leave this life, immediately after death, you are, uh, you, your soul is received in either, either heaven or hell, and uh, there is no changing places after that point. That's why it's so important that we make our decision on planet Earth. You see, because eternal decisions are only made on Earth. And it's something we need to remember. Eternal decisions are only made on Earth. There's not a second chance after death. 
There's not a purgatory that you can pray someone out of or pay someone out of. Okay, That's not what Jesus said. That's not the voice from heaven to the rich man who ended up in hell. Hell is a place you do not want to go to. A lot of songs have been written about you know, going to hell, and you know, we see movies. I mean, you know, I'll see you in hell, or you know, uh, no, hell is not a place that even the baddest of the bad, okay, does not want to go to hell. You do not want to go to hell. Hell is real. Some people say, well, you know, a loving God wouldn't, he would not create a hell. Let me tell you something for certain that my God would not have crucified his only begotten son to save you from something that did not exist. Okay? Believe me when I tell you, hell is real. Hell, however, was not created, nor was it intended to be occupied by the souls of mankind. That was not God's original intent. Eternal torment in darkness forever was created for the devil and his angels. Jesus spoke concerning the final judgment and what would happen uh, uh, in, in, in the final judgment for the souls of man. In Matthew 25, verse 41, he says this, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, hell and the everlasting torment separated from God was prepared for the devil and his angels. The devil, whether your translation may say Satan, the devil, that old serpent, the dragon, the enemy of your soul, he is a rebellious, pride-filled, fallen angel. He was a servant of the Most High God, a very trusted servant at one time. The devil, however, no longer wanted to serve God. Pride caused him to make a decision. And he decided that rather than serve God, he would just do things his own way, do his own thing his own way. And the devil not only made that decision for himself, but he began to shop that around. He began to politic in heaven. He began to sow discord among the other angel servants of God. And as he sowed discord, he deceived many of them into believing that they had gotten a bad deal, that God was wrong, he was not the right one to serve, and that somehow they were going to take over heaven and to take over all of creation and to destroy God and become God themselves. Well... Uh, because of this deception and this mutiny, God cast the devil out of heaven along with those angels who had supported the devil in this rebellion. This divided heaven. And war has been taking place ever since. As if it were not bad enough to have rebelled against the one who loved him, the one who cared for him and the one who was willing for the rest of eternity to embrace him, as if it were not bad enough to rebel against God, the devil furthered the rebellion. The devil further added insult to injury by actually dividing the family of God. He began to sow deceptive 
words, subtle, deceptive words, this sneaky snake, this serpent in the garden, began to go to other family members, specifically Adam and Eve. And there began to sow deceptive words against God and His truth and His word. And because of the deception... Eve ended up deciding to do the very same thing the devil decided to do, and that was to do her own thing, her own way, for her own benefit, not trusting that God would care or keep his word. When she did that, she led her husband, her family, and others, among which are us, led others down the wrong path. And she further divided herself, her family, and others from this loving, caring relationship that we could have had with our Father. What a terrible thing. You see, this is one of the reasons why God hates rebellion, why God hates deception, why God hates division. This is one of the reasons why, you know, is because rebellion, deception, and division are so costly to God and others. And all rebellion is of the devil. All deception is of the devil. And division is a work of his hands. God decided that the penalty for causing this division in his family was to be eternal damnation and eternal separation from himself. Also, God decided that in this eternal damnation, that those who caused this division, the devil and his angels, would be thrown into a lake of fire and brimstone that would burn forever and ever. You see, one day the devil will be cast into that lake of fire. It was prepared for him and his angels. But unfortunately, one day also, the souls of men shall occupy that abyss. One day as well in this great judgment, those who have refused to trust God, those who have refused to accept the forgiveness offered by Messiah, those who refuse to receive salvation which can only come through Jesus Christ, the Son and the Savior and the payment for sin, those who refuse that will one day go to hell. It's a sad awakening. Anytime that we speak about hell and anytime that we imagine others who might spend eternity in that lake of fire, we should do it with such a contrition, with such a, a rendering of the heart that makes us sad at that possibility. You see, one day, the souls of men who have not trusted God and the devil will be thrown into that lake of fire. But until that day, the souls of men who have died, who have not trusted the Lord, are waiting in hell, waiting for the judgment. Today, the devil is still deceiving people. He hates God. Believe you me, the devil hates God. Okay. And he hates you. He hates mankind. He hates the human creation, those made in the likeness and the image of God. The greatest deceptions that the devil can master 
are to try to get you to believe, number one, there is no God, or number two, there is no devil, or number three, there is no hell, or number four, that, that there is no penalty for sin, or, 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 or perhaps to get you to believe that it's okay and God doesn't care if you just do your own thing your own way and exclude Him from your life, from your habits, from your future. You know, that's rebellion. One day there will be a final judgment. We're going to talk about the final judgment in a few more weeks. But, but until that final judgment, there is hell. Hell is a temporary holding place where the lost souls of man and hordes of demon reside and await the final judgment. Hell is a place of great torment. Second Peter, the second chapter, says this, beginning in verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment in hell, waiting for something, reserved for judgment. The angels and demons reserved for judgment. And if God did not spare the ancient world, but save Noah, one of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who would afterwards live ungodly and delivered righteous Lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. You see, if God both delivered the angels who sinned into hell, awaiting being reserved for judgment, and if God did not spare the ancient world because of their ungodliness, and if God delivered a righteous lot out of an unrighteous situation, then verse 9 says, then we can really trust that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment. We're talking about being reserved, being held, something we're waiting for, being punished while we're waiting for the day of judgment. That's hell. Jesus admonished us in Matthew, the 10th chapter, in verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. (laughs) Uh, Fear him. Fear him who, after death, has power to condemn a soul to hell. It's sad to say, but the Bible says, clearly shows us that hell has enlarged herself. Hell has had to get bigger. The pit, which has gotten bigger, by the way, will never be satisfied, the Bible says. It will burn and it will never be consumed. The prophet Isaiah told us, hell has enlarged herself. She's had to get bigger. Why? Because it was never intended for all the souls of man who would have to be held in a temporary reserve of punishment and torment, awaiting the day of judgment. At the final judgment, hell itself will have fulfilled its purpose, and it also will be cast into the lake of fire. 
along with death. That's what the book of Revelation said. Revelation 20, verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered. Hell will deliver up the dead. You know, the dead will one day be delivered up to this great judgment. And the Bible tells us uh, that hell uh, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Death and hell. After the first death in this life, in a waiting period in hell, a final judgment in which when final judgment shall come, hell shall deliver up the dead to that great judgment. And death, hell, the devil and his angels, and all those souls of mankind who are lost for eternity will be cast into this great lake of fire, which burns forever and ever. The fire is not quenched and the worm does not die. However, even in the midst of all of this, there is good news. What is the good news? Revelation 1.18, our key scripture for tonight. Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have. Jesus is the one who has the keys of death and hell. He is the keys of hell and he has the keys of death. I'm so glad that somebody I know, somebody who is my brother, somebody who is my savior, my Lord, my King, I'm so glad that he has the keys because that door will never be opened to me or to you who know Christ as your Lord and Savior. This brings us tonight to our important points. Important point number one, there is a devil and he does not like you. Okay? Don't go messing with him. Don't go toying with him. Don't go playing with him. Okay? Don't be deceived. There is a devil and he does not like you. In fact, the word of God says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, he walks about as a roaring lion. He's only looking for one thing. He's looking for someone that he can devour. How does he devour mankind? The same way he devoured those in heaven. The same way he got those to follow him. How does he do that? He does that by deception and division. Realize that deception brings division. Deception brings separation. Realize when you are tempted to divide and separate from good and God-fearing and God-loving people, you are under a deceptive word from the devil. Don't let him win. Okay. Number two, important point number two, there is a hell, but it was not designed for you. God never intended for the souls of man to be in hell. Important point number three, Upon death, the soul of every person goes immediately to heaven or to hell. There is no purgatory. There is no interim. You do not go and lay in a grave until Jesus comes back. You don't get to plead your case. Nobody can pay you there. Nobody can pray you there. Okay? Immediately upon death, the soul of an individual will go to heaven or to hell based upon the redemption factor, the blood of Jesus and the eternal decision that you made in this life. Number four, once in hell, a person cannot get out. Very plain from Luke 16. Once in hell, a person cannot get out. Oh, you'll be one day brought before the judgment, but along with hell, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be cast into the lake of fire. 
Good news. Number five. The good news is people don't have to go to hell. The good news is you don't have to go to hell. Okay? Nobody has to go. It's a choice. 